I'm always ready for controversy. A personal personal locator beacon, PLB, yeah. Should you be allowed to have that safety net or should you have an example be made of yourself? Hikers versus other types of outdoor recreation. I had a kind of a scary horse encounter. We stepped off the trail. When the horse got close to us, you could tell it was very nervous. It started just kind of like move back and forth, left and right. Then it started to charge at us. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales, the very first in-person video episode of Trail Tales. I'm so excited, and my uh, my voice is not doing great. I did Backpacker Radio yesterday and talked to Zach and Chance for over two hours, and so I'm feeling a little hoarse, and uh, we're, we're going to get through it. It's going to be great because Baker Bocorny is back, and uh, we're going to be going through some some hiking controversies today, and we're going to stray a little bit into the philosophical. Baker is a student of philosophy, and it's just going to be great. And so let's uh, let's just jump into it, dude. I don't need to do any plugs. Should I do some plugs? Plug whatever you want. Actually, you, you plug it for me. I got nothing to plug. Five-star reviews, subscribe, OnlyFans. Yeah, at, at Trail Tales, OnlyFans. At Trail Tale for OnlyFans. At, right, yeah, singular. Of singular course. tale. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just... And Backpacker Radio, go listen to Kyle's episode. That probably will yeah, be out by the time. I, I think, if well, not, we'll it'll see. be out shortly. We'll I honestly don't know when that's coming out, and I don't know when this is coming out. I wasn't so. sure if we we're going to be able to talk about that. Like, but yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's no secret. It's pretty cool. That's why you're here, though. That's that's why we're in person right Yes. Now, yeah, like, I didn't come here all the way for Baker. No, like, that would be a total waste no. of time. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> no. waste of time. No, we're here in Colorado. We got some snow last night. Colorado. Colorado, yeah, according to TikTokers I've seen. Um, but anyways, we're going to be doing some some controversies, dude. Are you ready to get controversial, Baker? I'm always ready for controversy. To be honest, um, I think controversy is a little bit of a loose term to describe some of the... It, def- it definitely works for some of the things we're going to talk about, but yeah. it's... I don't know. We had some... We basically had some things that we wanted to talk about. Like I said, Baker was feeling philosophical this morning. Yeah, it's not necessarily controversial. They're just kind of you know, questions and kind of like things that are in, there's a gray area. And there's Maybe no, even a little, little ethics, straight into some ethics. ethics. There's no, there's no straightforward answers to some of yeah. these topics. And that's yeah. what is interesting to me. Definitely. About, so. This is going to be one of those episodes where I really want to hear people's feedback. Um, Cause a lot of people are going to have thoughts on what we're going to talk about. And so yeah. another reason to, to watch on YouTube. Okay. Like, I mean, actually, as if I'm pointing at you right now, you're already watching. Yeah. So if For you're listening, listening, he's pointing at a, <laughs> at a camera that you can't see. So. Yes. Yes. So this is, this is one you want to, you want to be on YouTube so you can give me a piece of your mind. We can see, we'll have, I'm sure YouTube comments are going to produce an enlightened, yes. you know, a very cordial debate because that's what YouTube comments are known for. Exactly. At least that's my understanding. I will say the people who listen to the show and the people who watch my stuff are, they're, they're the best of the best when it comes to YouTube. That's true. YouTube comments. So I think it'll be just fine. I haven't seen too much bad stuff going nah, on. No, we'll be good. Yeah. All right. First one. I think, I think this is low hanging fruit when it comes to controversies related to trail. And there's a couple different directions we could go with this one. Mm-hmm. This is just going to be, we'll start with the broad social media in yes. relation to backpacking and through hiking. And we kind of broke it down a little bit. And so Baker, I'll let you start. Just, just talk about like sharing the, yeah. a- the actual aspect of like sharing your hike and your photos on Instagram, YouTube and all the social media stuff. And yeah, the controversy ish. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of controversial, honestly. Yeah. So basically if a person walks through the woods and you don't record it, did they even walk through there? I've been saying that for years. Dude. I mean, that's the, that's really what it comes, <laughs> this is really what it comes down to. Pretty here. much. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's something that I was thinking and we'll get to this later. It was basically how 
um, more modern technology uh, influences the way that we recreate outside, you know, compared to maybe before these technologies around and the kind of ubiquitous ability to record yourself through audio, video, photos, et cetera. Um, and then the, also the additional part of sharing those and the kind of the culture around sharing, yeah. you know, your life experiences online. It does make me wonder um, with, you know, the way hiking and outdoor recreation has become more popular in recent years. There's or just in, in, it's always been popular, but I feel like it's, grown, it's exploded. It's grown sure. a lot more. Yeah. And so I think a part of, there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but I do wonder how much of it in terms of is, is kind of this drive to share it. And, you know, if you basically, the question is if you couldn't share it or if you were not allowed to, or if these mechanisms didn't exist, you know, how many people would, would actually go out and, and yeah. Hike would would and people they, bother yeah. to do it? And like how many people are doing, if they literally had no ability to share, would they still go and do some of these things? Yeah. That they're doing? It's interesting. Yeah. My, my hunch is I think a decent amount of people still would, at least in our little through hiking community. I don't know if it's different with other like, you know, branches of outdoor recreation, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like most people, I imagine you would agree. I feel like most people when it comes to like through hikers and backpackers, they're, they're just down with it, dude. Like they're, they're, they're doing it because they love it. Now, obviously I'm sure there's someone out there that is only doing it because they think it's going to get them Instagram cloud or, or whatever, which is super silly because yeah. it's not going to get you that much. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like when it comes to through hiking, most people are doing it for a good reason. I think, I think uh, another question related to this is more how many people would even know about it if it wasn't for social media. That's something we brought up earlier. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if I think of my more, you know, education on how I learned about through hiking, how I figured out I could do this, like what was the proper gear to bring, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. That was all through, I mean, mostly YouTube and then um, the ultralight Reddit forum was a big one too. I went down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you consider Reddit social media? I guess it's adjacent. But but basically like that's a, a, that's a a sort of like method of communication that would be non-existent pre-internet, like at least not in that exact form. And so, yeah, I think that that is a good point of like, if I think it's part of it is, yeah, this is made outdoor. It's made it more popular and more of a thing that people are aware of. And it's Mm -hmm. because you can communicate and you can basically learn about these really niche activities. You don't have to like find this group of people like, or you don't have to like find them in person somewhere. You can like find them online essentially. Yeah. And so I think this is probably, it definitely expands to tons of different niche activities, but hiking definitely being one of them. And I think that, I mean, I think part of it is having all this confidence going out there. Like you say, you could find like one book, on the AT, like that's probably going to have a lot of good information for you, but it's mm-hmm. not, I mean, the amount of information and things I learned about before going on a hike was massive, probably way more than any one book or even like two or three books could have contained. I mean, I literally saw perspectives from probably 20 plus, if not more, probably almost like a hundred different people, you know, some of them, a lot of content, like you say, it's like a YouTuber puts a lot of stuff versus like maybe five or six comments from someone on Reddit. But either way, I got way more information. I got access to way more information, which eventually gave me the confidence. Like, okay, this is not totally insane. I can actually go walk in the woods for six months. Mm-hmm. I probably won't die. It's probably just <laughs> it's it's just as safe as normal life, if not safer in some ways. And so, this is not a totally insane thing. Like, it's totally reasonable. And seeing people, the 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 ability to share so much of the experience, um, you know, is the fact that I could consume that and get confidence that that was going to be something I could do. Yeah. Is like. I think that's a huge part of why I was able to do it. Yeah, I, I've said it before. It's no secret. Like I learned about through hiking and, and backpacking from social media as I think is by far the number one way I would assume that people learn about it now. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it just is what it is. And like, it is kind of, I think most people would probably agree that that's not a bad thing. 
But there's yeah. definitely some people out there that are like, oh, like there's too many people on the trail now, thanks to the yeah. Instagram and YouTube, yeah. which, I mean, it's true that obviously it's contributed to more people on trail. I think it's debatable whether or not it's a good or a bad thing. Um, yeah. I think it's a good thing. I mean, I get like the overcrowded, like yeah. I get that, and, I, and I've never been one to shy away from complaining about there being too many people on trail sometimes. Yeah. So like, I get that aspect. But I think overall, we've probably talked about this before on the show. I feel like I think overall there's a net positive to society. More people are getting outside and more people are able to now advocate for the trails and, you know, get involved in those ways. And I don't know, it's just good for you. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I think there's the overcrowding issues is potentially like there's certain like very certain specific spots will get like very overcrowded. And I feel like that can be kind of a problem. But other than that, I think in, in overall, it's definitely positive that there's more people being outside doing something that's like pretty healthy for them mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like it's also we're really biased because like for me, that's a huge outlet. Like it's a huge benefit for me, so I can't just project and assume that for everyone it is. But yeah. I, I think in general, that's why most people do it. Yeah, definitely. Going to bother doing it. Give us, give us your thoughts, everybody. Um, I think this is a good, a good segue into the next controversy. So this one, honestly, is probably the least amount of controversy and just. It's more philosophical, but it kind of fits under the umbrella. And this is just like the impact that human, you know, recreation has on the environment. I'm not even talking from like, you know, I think when we were discussing this earlier, earlier, we were really thinking in terms of like the literal like impact you're having when you're walking through the yeah, woods like kind of like setting conservation up your aspect like the yeah. area like just the actual wilderness yeah not like a broader it. like climate change like we weren't really thinking that we were thinking more just like literally like yeah you sit down to eat lunch and yeah you're having an impact on the trail and, and when enough people do that obviously it's just magnified and it's like what is it's an interesting discussion right and this yeah. is one that there i felt like i feel like there's no clear answer yeah and so definitely want people's thoughts on this one too but it's like what is the limit? Like what, how much should be allowed? Because I think most people would agree. Maybe there's some people that wouldn't, but at least most people listening to this show would agree that obviously we should be able to access these areas, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's also regulations in place. And I think most people would probably agree that there should be to an extent limiting, you know, where you can go or what you can do when you're in these wild natural areas. So it's like, how far does that go? And like, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's like striking the balance of, so we're trying, the idea is we're trying to conserve it so that it's essentially has a, it's an area that has less human impact or it yeah. appears to have less human impact. Yeah. But then you're also trying to grant access to people to go there. So basically what is the the balance you strike? And there's obviously no right answer, but that's what kind of makes it interesting. And then obviously different areas strike it different yeah. ways, right? So oh, a yeah. national park has they will put really they'll put like paved roads right so like rocky mountain national park has a paved road that goes up to thirteen thousand feet that's pretty uncommon there's maybe a few of those in colorado but they're like you know that's a national park is going to build like quite a bit of infrastructure Mm -hmm. but then they're also going to have like a lot of rangers out there enforcing things like watching what people are doing so if you're out there like feeding a moose, like and you're, you know, if someone can see you, they're gonna they're gonna catch <laughs> or, you. Doing or riding it. a pony. Yeah, and so like the yeah yeah riding a pony. Check out the last episode we did together. <laughs> if you're wondering about that, but yeah, I mean those areas like they're the amount of rangers that are in an area. There's quite a few now. If you go to like any random national forest, probably not gonna see almost any law enforcement. Like yeah. you could, like it's, it's possible, but like just the amount of kind of law enforcement per area is a lot less. Generally, the rules are gonna be more lax, but the also the infrastructure is less. Probably lost paved roads. May just have some like 
pit toilet trailheads, whereas like mm-hmm. you'll have a visitor center at a national park that's going to have yeah. like, you know, all these uh, signs and infographics and stuff. Uh, and then like even like wilderness areas, we were talking about this, uh, I think last night, but like a wilderness area, there's even certain things you can't do in there. You and can't paraglide, dude. It's bullshit. <laughs> can't paraglide. I was, I was telling the story <laughs> yeah, like us. about how, so on the Florida trail, there's a, um, there's several sections that are like actually proper swamps. And, um, one of them I think is in Apalachicola national forest, I think is where it is. It's, more it's like up on the panhandle a little bit. It's closer bit. to the panhandle. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I can't remember what the name of that swamp is called, but basically, um, the area around the swamp is a, it's, so it's in a national forest, but it is a wilderness area in there. And so the wilderness areas, I'm sure people who've been to wilderness areas, like they have these signs that kind of say what activities you can and can't do. And Mm -hmm. people aren't familiar. Wilderness areas are basically like, you can't really use like certain kind of human machinery. So that extends from like a chainsaw to like do a trail maintenance. You actually can't, they have to use like a handsaw trail maintainers. Um, God bless them. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it also extends to like mountain bikes. You can't actually ride a bike there. So you, you can hike, but you can't mountain bike. But it also extends to like paragliding. <laughs> and the funny thing is that there are these kind of stock um, national forest signs that Just say like, generic. Like, yeah, generic. They say like, you know, no, no hang. I think it's at hang gliding, paragliding, no mountain biking, whatever. But the thing is like, so, you know, they put that like in somewhere in Colorado where there's big cliff, you know, you probably could paraglide there, but they literally just had one of these stock photos, like sitting in some, in the swamp (laughs) in there. And so like literally I'm walking up, like waiting, like like, up to knees in like this dark murky water. And it's like no, no mountain biking, no paraglide. And I'm like, this is absolutely no way you could do either of those things. It is, it's like, what's your trees? Like, where are you going to jump off of the paraglide? It's completely flat. It's for it. It's just like the kind of just the, like, I don't know. The, it was just such a, a silly I situation. That. I was just like, I okay. just, I'm just picturing some guy like walking out into the, he's like trying to mountain bike out into the swamp. He's got his like oh, paraglide, yeah. whatever thing attached to his back. Yeah. And he finally gets out there. He's all tired. He's like, well, I'm finally here. I can do some nice para- para- the paragliding. And then he looks at the sign and he's like, oh, fuck, dude. Dang this it. is bullshit. <laughs> this was like a, my top 10 list of places to go. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I ever see that. It's just kind of like the, it's the, funny. The complete, complete asinine situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's super funny. But yeah. But yeah, basically wilderness areas are also restricted. So I don't know. This is an interesting one of like, it's, it's basically like there, you know, there's totally downsides of too many people out there, like mm-hmm. leaving trash, like trampling flora, um, you know, disrupting all of the, or yeah, all, all the fauna, all the animals. Cause like, you know, when you see a moose and you spook it, it's going to run away or you see a pack of elk. I mean, I've totally seen or a bunch of deer, like they run away. You're disrupting mm-hmm. where they were going. They were trying to go to some place to like, you know, get some water or eat d- different kind of vegetation. Now they're expending this extra energy yeah. to run from you. I never even thought about that. That's yeah. a good example. I, I always go to the example of like, you know, what I said earlier, sitting down or setting up your tent or whatever, but even, even something like that, that probably a lot of people haven't even thought about. Yeah. And it's like, you know, to us, it sounds like, oh, they're just running away for a little bit. Like that's not a big deal, but there are certain animals that like their calorie intake is very it's balanced very like you know precisely and so mm-hmm. you spend you force them to like expend a different amount a little more energy than maybe and they don't maybe find enough food that day they might be tired and like a predator finds them so obviously like you know this it's it's very theoretical hard to tell but it does cause an impact to them i remember we were in rocky mountain National park and um going over alpine ridge road which is that big paved road over the top and there was like a herd of elk it was literally like a hundred elk going to cr- like, cr- trying to cross the road and everyone had stopped like you know they were trying to let them cross but then someone like wanted to get a better view. So they kind of jumped up on top of their car, um, you know, just to get a better view. But when they did that, they made a bunch of noise mm-hmm. and it spooked the elk. So the, the herd ended up splitting and it was like kind of like, they had like maybe a th- two thirds of it across the road, but the third that hadn't basically got spooked and ran back. And so now like, they're separated. 
And they had a mixture of like, there was a bunch of like adolescents in there. And so then they were like calling to each other across the road. And I was like, we totally disrupted the flow that they were doing, right? And so, you know, I don't know. It's like, I don't know that it's going to cause any direct deaths because of that, but you know, whatever. There's an impact there. There's an impact. There's There's always going to be an impact. Yeah. And so the question is like, and I think where this is maybe a little controversial is like, how much impact is okay? Yeah. Because it's like, on one hand, we could just completely block off these areas you know, mm-hmm. no human, you can't go into the Rocky Mountains or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, personally, I feel like that would suck. You know, like I, I oh, want to have I access agree. to it. Yeah. Obviously, we don't want to be building roads to the top of every single mountain either. So there's yeah. clearly two extreme limits. And, yeah. you know, where the actual right, uh, you know, spot is, is somewhere between those. And yeah. And who knows? Because it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Personally, I mean, I, I feel like we have a right to access these areas. I think we have we have an obligation to do so responsibly. Yeah. But you know, like I want to, I want to see these areas and even, even for the roads, like, you know, I think it's cool that we talked about this in our last episode a little bit. It's cool that people can access some of these areas that maybe don't have the physical capabilities of hiking in to see them. And so it's like, I don't know. And then there's the whole other part, which we haven't even gotten into yet, which is like, technically people are going to hate me for this. Technically we are, animals and this is our world too so it could be argued yeah which i'm not i'm not even saying i agree with this Mm -hmm. just to be clear but it could be argued that anything we do is still like natural right because we're animals we're here too just like the moose Mm -hmm. you know and so technically building a giant highway to the top of a fourteen thousand foot mountain yeah is is nature in a way because we're part of nature and we it's our doing so i don't know yeah and i think (laughs) the counter argument that people would probably bring up is that but we have the ability to modify the environment beyond the extent that pretty much any other species does on earth. But if you like, so there's a, a really fascinating book called sapiens. Um, and that book go, basically talks about how even from like when we were like just barely beyond primate stage, we've been modifying our environment. Like we've been, we would intentionally mm-hmm. burn areas to clear it out to for farming or even before we were farming, like we clear it out just to like find prey more easily. So We've been modifying, and every animal kind of modifies in the environment. Like you can find kind of elk trails through the Rocky Mountains. That's like it's no humans walking on that. Generally, yeah. it's just like the these animals weigh like five hundred pounds. They're stomping on the grass. They make trails, right? Humans have been making trails for as long as we've been walking around. So that for basically all our entire existence. So chemtrails, <laughs> chemtrails. Yeah. Now, Sorry. now we make now we make trails to the sky. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically like you know, it, I guess yeah. I think the argument would, against what you said would be we're modifying it to an extent that pretty much no other species can, mm-hmm. but we also have always been modifying our environment and every animal to an extent does. Modify I was going to say, and every animal has something unique about them that mm-hmm. other animals can't do. Yeah. So well, like beavers modify their environment. Oh heavily. yeah. Oh, they, good point. They cut down yeah, tons dude. of trees. Those, they those back fuckers up the destroy water. trails sometimes. <laughs> I mean, they, they do, they cause huge problems, but yeah. they also create environments for other species that are like symbiotically need like kind of like this really nice st- still wall. I don't know a ton about beavers, yeah, but I, I know either. that the, the areas that they dam up, there are other species that take advantage of that really still water that they prefer to have instead yeah. of the fast flowing streams. And like, I think they, I don't know, there's like fish that like, you know, their young yeah, I can patch imagine. spawn there and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's, yeah, and there are animals that heavily modify their environment, but obviously humans, we're of any species on earth, yeah. you know, of any animal on earth, we it is by different. far do it the most. Yeah. So it, it's where it's like, and we also kind of, we can intellectually, we have other ways of surviving too. And if you also mm-hmm. think of, so beavers do it for survival. They need to do that. Recreation is technically an optional thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have, there's no, there's no survival reason that we need to be building a road through the Rocky Mountain, through Rocky Mountain National yeah. Park, right? And disrupting, there's absolutely no survival. 
survival reason. Beavers, if they couldn't build a dam, they would, they probably would, would go extinct. So that's where it's like we can intellectually, we have the ability to recognize that. And then also we can have other ways to survive that don't require that. So then we have to kind of decide what we are comfortable doing. And so yeah. that's where like the, this is the weird part of being a human is that we're, we're come from monkeys and now we're here and now we have to like live with this brain on this, you know, yeah. in this weird situation that we didn't build ourselves. Look so. at this guy. He's, he's so much more than just talking about ultra light and I mean, he's got some, know. he's got some deep thoughts. I mean, they're deep, deep uninformed. I like thoughts, it. I like it. This sure. is stuff that hasn't really been touched on too much in the show. So it's, yeah, it's cool this to talk is, about. This is the stuff I think about when I'm walking around the woods. I'm like, should I be here? You know, how much <laughs> different am I from just, you know, a primate or whatever? But, yeah, yeah, it's true. I don't, know. I don't know. Okay, so this next one, let's do one that is definitely like, I mean, I, I think people understand probably like the controversy related to what we just talked about there, but this one's much more clear cut. Yeah. I don't know if this is something that's been talked about on the show, uh, maybe at some point, but anyways, this controversy is through hiking with kids, like yeah. taking your kids on a long through hike. And let's give a, a huge disclaimer yes, here. Yes, massive massive disclaimer neither one of us have kids so <laughs> nope no kids not even pets not like, yeah not build yet. some sort of similar extension no though. kids no pets i don't even i haven't talked to a kid in five years probably yes yeah, i true, generally just well i have a nephew now. i'm not even allowed near kids actually for that matter so right right that was an issue you you texted me are there any children that live kind of <laughs> nearby your house and i had to go to all the neighbors it was really frankly yeah, embarrassing. we had to do the backpacker radio episode further away because their studios next to, to a school yeah that was it's kind of awkward it's you brutal know. i think they did they got they felt a little uncomfortable. They didn't know that going in, <laughs> but they were like, well, they really needed that guest. Yeah. So yeah, Zach know. brought his kids into this. It was a whole, it was Dude, a whole yeah, anyway. that, that was, that was like, it was, yeah, I got a little spicy there. But. No, that's not true. But, um, <laughs> I, it's definitely a little controversial, mm-hmm. uh, through hiking with kids. Anecdotally, I will say, I feel like just from talking to people, it seems like more people are like cool with the kids or even, cool with the kids being not cool with the kids being on trail um or think that threatening with kids is like a good thing like a cool thing mm-hmm. but i know there's some people that maybe take a little bit of an issue with it i'm not gonna lie and, and by the way for everybody watching and listening i'm not trying this isn't me trying to like call out any you know vloggers that have done their family thing like i'm not i'm not trying to tell anybody what to do here um but i don't know I'm, i just think about this is this it really is tough because like yeah. as we talked about a little bit before we started recording it's like there are definitely some like like awesome things about it like it's clearly going to be an awesome experience that the the kid is never going to forget and like they're going to just get this like super unique opportunity I mean it's great to be outside like all these things at the same time you're kind of taking them away from you know their friends for an extent that's the biggest thing for me like when I think yeah. to when I was you know, younger, I don't even know. We're, we're maybe talking like, I don't even know, like 10, nine years old down, like mm-hmm. that kind of age, even, yeah. even a little bit older, maybe. Um, it's like you're, you're taking, you're taking them away from like time with their friends, maybe even school, potentially you're yeah. taking them out of school. Yeah. Honestly, for me, it's the time away from like my friends thing that I think about, but, um, yeah. but obviously it's also going to depend family to family, right? Like, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's tough. It is. I remember um, on the AT, we ran into, I don't, I'm trying to think of how many children I ran to through hiking. There was one in particular, Jessica says three. I don't remember the other two, but <laughs> there was one in particular who um, we met in the whites. And I don't, I think we were, we were trying to guess today. I think she was maybe like nine or 10 or something, mm-hmm. but she seemed like she was thriving to be honest. Like I, when I saw that, I was like, 
that's such a cool experience. That is yeah. an absolutely unique experience that she will have. Most children will not have it. Um, that I think really would benefit her, right? Yeah. And it seemed like she genuinely wanted to be out there. Like it wasn't like a, you know, her dad had dragged, dragged her, out there her kind through. Of thing. It was yeah. her, her dad hiking with her, and she honestly it seemed like she was loving it out there. She was having a blast. She'd come all the way from Georgia. She was in New Hampshire. She was almost done, and she was having a great time. Wow. But yeah, I could totally see others. Like the other thing we were talking about is like, you know, children are obviously heavily influenced by their parents. So like, you know, if you say, okay, the child wants to do it, but how much of that is like the parent encouraging you? The encouragement is good. Like it's good that parents encourage you to do things you are maybe uncomfortable with or like a little apprehensive about because that's what pushes your boundaries and like you have experiences that you wouldn't. Like I know like my parents would make me do things and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But like in hindsight, I'm like super glad they did. Like I totally benefited from it. Um, so it's kind of hard to know, like, is the parent influencing the child because yeah. they just, for them, it's convenient. Like, oh, now I can bring my child. I don't have to like, you know, yeah. I solved this huge yeah. problem of like, I really want to, it's a difficult problem with your parent. You want to go out and do this, but you have this obligation to a child. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you, how do you make that work? And so basically I think, you know, there's, it's difficult to kind of distinguish the, yeah. the amount of influence the parent has versus the child actually wants to do it. But I, I don't know. It is, I can totally see like developmentally, like not being around your, your, the, the kind of the, your peer group. And I think if you did it for like multiple years, like if your entire, if you essentially kind of missed like your, a lot of your childhood, I feel like I could see that being a problem. But yeah, I think if you, if you do like, she was going to do like one summer and I feel like that was like, you know, if she was going to do that one summer on the 18 and that was going to be yeah. blast. I think that'd be totally great for her. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, we um don't have kids. And so yeah, it's difficult. Our, our, our uh, opinions on this mean quite, basically nothing let's yeah. be honest but. but there's also like i think jessica mentioned the physical element of like physically your body's like developing and growing a lot like what that maybe does to you too so that was kind of another thing that we've thought about oh, but i didn't even yeah think about but again that, yeah. that's something we're even less informed on since we're yeah. not medical doctors yeah so. so who knows but yeah i don't know it's definitely a little controversial if you have thoughts on this leave it in the comments um, yeah all right the next one Hikers versus other types versus versus <laughs> that's there we go. That makes it controversial. We're, yeah. we're, we're we are in opposition. This is a competition. We're between. trying to create controversy. Basically. That's true. Okay. Versus then hikers yeah. versus other types of outdoor recreation. So mm-hmm. it could be mountain biking, it could be uh, like horseback riding, hunting, uh, off-road vehicles, stuff like that. Backcountry croquet. <laughs> Uh, alpine water polo. Have you <laughs> ever seen is, those? That is a controversial one. Alpine water polo is a damn. That's yeah. I don't know, man. They're, they're dragging all their gear up there. <laughs> no one wants to go up there and see a bunch of people in those funny hats and like the nets. <laughs> like, come on, guys. It's like they're just splashing around. I'm trying to sit there and enjoy lunch and just just the thrashing in the. Sp- it's such a violent sport. The water's going. Yeah, everywhere. that's tough. I mean, geez, I, I want to see an AI generated image of alpine water polo yeah yeah please someone send that how about people ice skating on frozen alpine lakes that one's actually real. that's actually really cool though yeah like i think think that's cool that's actually just cool (laughs) i've never done it i want to yeah or um or how about paragliding paragliding Uh, paraglide's pretty cool though yeah i agree yeah but i don't know other types yeah i mean you got to share the environment you got to share the trails even i guess yeah maybe paragliding not so much but yeah paraglide less so i mean we've all probably had moments maybe not if you're strictly an east coast hiker because the trails there tend to be hiking only but out west especially here in colorado yeah it's like you're sharing the trails with mountain biking or mountain bikers certainly do do the trails here allow for i mean i'm sure it varies but like Horses. for pack animals yeah. and stuff yeah, yeah definitely so yeah. like you're really sharing the trail with you know a lot of different types of outdoor recreation yeah there's 
hunting, which is another one, which yeah. I guess, you know, generally speaking, they're not hunting from the trail, hopefully, but you yeah. know, they'll use the trails to access. And I don't know much about hunting to yeah. be clear. It's probably pretty obvious, but yeah. um, you know, they'll use the trails to access. Like I have had times back home up in the Northeast where I'll be hiking during hunting season and I've walked by like hunters before, like carrying their rifles and stuff. Not and yeah. they again, they weren't actively hunting. They were yeah. you know, going to They're or from transiting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, there's also know. like here in Colorado, we've got lots of forest service roads. So you'll like, yeah. you'll see hunters driving ATVs. Uh, that's more like even off-roaders will do it too. But basically like sometimes you have to use a forest service road to yeah. hike on um, or you're hiking near a forest service yeah. road and you just hear the like, you know, loud I engines. remember in Colorado when, when I was there um, yeah. back in 2021, like in the collegiate loop, there's a number of times where we could see um, yeah. off-road vehicles. Like, and I thought it was kind of cool, honestly. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's it's going to depend. Like if you're road walking on a forest service road and a uh, a side by side goes ripping by you and splashes you and yeah kicks runs you off the dust. trail then yeah. or even a mountain biker for that matter if you're on single track or something yeah like that's probably not going to be great I'm sure there's lots of people listening I know there's at least one person in this room that's had that experience she's off camera but yeah um or like the, even like with off roading the camping setups are like a lot bigger usually sometimes noisier like you know because you if you drive your car up there you can bring like a big stereo and you can bring enough power to power that thing. Yeah. And like, so I've definitely had times when I'm like, you know, the interface of like an off-road area and kind of like a backcountry recreation area. And like, maybe I had to camp near there and you're just, you're hearing like a much more noise than you would from like people who had backpacked in, I guess, which yeah. is obviously there are people who will bring in, a, they'll, they'll care, they'll backpack in a loud stereo and blast that too. <laughs> but I feel like I also, I don't know if this is like just a, I don't know. This might just be kind of like my bias, but I've also noticed like with off-roading areas, if you're on a forest road, like there's a lot more trash I find yeah. than like a single track trail. Like that's not, and I'm sure there's exceptions, but you just, I you just always see like mangled parts of vehicles. I feel like I see that <laughs> all the time on like yeah. roads, which is like, I mean, I get it because you're bumping along, but you always find like stuff like that. I find like you, you find more trash and you also find larger items of trash because it's the kind of stuff that if you were carrying it yourself, you would never bring it in there in the first place. Yeah. But in a, in a vehicle, you bring it out there, but then you don't want it anymore. Like I remember, I, I think I packed out like a big, like fragment of like a bumper or something like that. <laughs> wow. You know, and it was just like, and this was weird. I was actually off trail and I found it on the side of a hill and I was like, it really, it was just like, so I think it was, there had been, must a, have been a road somewhere. There was a road up there and probably like snow over time had moved oh, it or whatever. Yeah. There yeah. was a road like nearby, but basically I remember I was like, this is so ugly. Like I'm literally like not even near, if I see it on a road, I'm like, that That, that might be kind of cool to me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, if it's it like was, a really old one, maybe it wasn't that old though. It, yeah. It, there, yeah. So th that's another, this is, we'll talk about it in a second, but okay. basically, um, it, like that's another ancient controversy one, but basically, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. To me, I was like, this is so unsightly, like literally Fair. not even near I, a trail. Yeah. So I like kind of was able to strap it on top of my bag and carry it out. <laughs> okay. But you mentioned, so old. This, yeah. The, I think we may have talked about this, but at what point does trash just become historical? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And when does graffiti become like, okay, so, like, so like cave paintings are essentially graffiti, right? Right. Mm. And I'm not saying that I'm like saying, I'm not like saying they're bad, like they're, they're low quality, but basically, <laughs> <Antique. laughs> yeah, but, but they're essentially they're, like, they're like, barely shitting on the artistic abilities of like these, like, yeah, or that painters. they're, and I'm not saying that they're as invaluable as like modern day <laughs> yeah, graffiti, but what I'm saying is like functionally, they're the same. And so yeah, yeah, at yeah. what point does trash and trash and graffiti or leftover old houses become interesting history versus like just trash. Yeah. Right? Or like I've Joe, I remember like Joe and I were hiking once and we ran into like a cabin in the woods and there was like this old rusted bed frame, you know, 
if that like that was really cool it was like wow there's like a and also it was a huge pile of like tin cans it was mm-hmm. trash totally trash but, but it was so cool, yeah. old it was like this is a mining thing and i remember one other time we were hiking and we ran into basically like it just looked like it was a cabin and inside was like an outdated kitchen is the best way i could describe it. like there was a very modern electric stove top in there mm-hmm. and i was like that's just trash like this isn't it looked like it was from like the 90s or something and yeah. i was like this is just trash like i'm not this is not interesting it's not like a whoa a wood burning stove it's just like a it looks like if you went to like an outdated apartment and somehow yeah, that, yeah. that stove got into like the middle of the woods like that's <laughs> trash and so but in like 100 years from now that could be so kind of like, cool. oh that's history yeah. right so i don't know that's this, interesting yeah i haven't yeah. really thought about this much i feel like yeah and that's again it's not too um like imply that Things that were created thousands of years ago from no, people who've been no, li- native living the lands are like that it, they're not valuable. They absolutely are completely valuable. But it is an interesting spectrum of like when something becomes old enough to become hit historically interesting versus like you were lazy and left a piece of garbage out here. Yeah, exactly. So damn, it, that's it. That's, it's like, they're all in the same spectrum in theory, but obviously like they are completely different. Yeah. So it's like oh man. Yeah, and the middle zone there is where it gets really weird. That is that is super funny. Yeah. This is. I love it, dude. I love. This. I don't know how much trouble we're gonna get. If we get you canceled, no, I no, oh you. no, that, no. I that's not that bad. I um, hope not. Anyways, so let's go back to the uh, like sharing sharing trails. Yeah, I think sharing a trail with like, I mean, I, I think the Jessica pointed out the mountain bikers. Those are the I think the toughest when you're on a single track because they're if they're especially if they're going downhill. Yeah, they're, going if they're fast. Like ripping. Yeah. yeah, and and like some cyclists are more respectful than others, right? And so that's the thing is like some are, some people are gonna be totally fine. And you're not going to have a huge issue, but there are people who are just like absolutely bombing it down yeah. and they're just like, they're basically assuming you're going to get out of the way. Cause otherwise you're both going to have a bad time. It's like a mutually assured yeah. destruction thing. It's like you, who's <laughs> going to like blink first. And I guess the person who's walking has a, can jump out of the way faster, but still it's kind of like hikers don't do it to each other. We don't like, I mean, I guess even like trail runners, you haven't seen the way I hike, dude. Well, that's true. That's true. No. But now that I think about it, this guy, <laughs> this guy hikes, he insanely fast. Get out of my way, motherfucker. But to be fair, trail runners though, that yeah. I, I always feel, oh, a little, I've done that to people before. I feel obligated to step out of the way of a trail yeah. runner. Yeah. And I mean, functionally it makes sense. If you're bombing it down a mountain bike or even on foot, it, it's hard to slow down. And it's definitely way easier for me struggling uphill to just step aside. Yeah. I mean, it's, it makes sense. I don't, See, when I say that I've like kind of, I've come up on people quick. I never like, I never mind. Not that I'm like some trail runner. I'm not like, not really timing myself or anything. So I guess it's a little different, but yeah. I never mind like stopping for a second or like slowing down. Actually, usually when I see somebody up ahead, I'll always start walking if I'm running, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is kind of annoying when they don't get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, di- that's a whole different. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. There definitely are. The reason I think sharing trails with different types of recreation is somewhat controversial because there's definitely people out there that don't think that mountain bikes should be allowed on certain trails you know horses and pack Mm. animals is another big one like i definitely heard people complaining about that on the pct which i honestly probably only saw four or five different groups of pack animals and sometimes they had like a shit ton of animals sometimes it was just like one or two yeah but um i definitely know people that aren't super stoked on that because they're like shitting on the trail oh. that's probably the biggest reason honestly yeah yeah and well i i had a kind of a scary horse encounter really like in new mexico once we there was a group of there was like maybe five horses and there's like five people riding them and they had like maybe there were maybe was one of them was just loaded down with gear or maybe a couple were just had gear so they basically were going in like camping it was like a friday afternoon so they were like going out for the weekend but one of these horses was like really spooked of people i guess i don't know basically it was coming at us. We stepped off the trail 
And when the horse got close to us, it got, you could tell it was very nervous. I mean, it, it started to just kind of like move back and forth, left and right. Then it started to charge at us. Oh, jeez! And the, the rider, all the riders are yelling at it. And he's like trying to like get under control, but it's like charging us. And he thankfully like, I don't know, controls it or whatever. It didn't obviously end up attacking us, but mm-hmm. it, it literally charged That's at us. That's sketchy, for, dude. dude. It's a yeah. humongous horse. It, it was charging us and then eventually it did stop. But I mean, it was clearly like very upset that we were there. And I was like, man, don't bring a horse that's like yeah. that poorly behaved. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, like, I'm sure you have, to, you have to train horses and take time and stuff like that. But that was a weird, that's something that like I had never thought about. Like, because usually horses are super chill. They just like go on past you. And yeah, they leave a giant pile of shit behind them. Behind them. But I was like, you just step around it and yeah. it's not that big a deal. But the one when I was like, the idea that a horse could injure me because it's like, so it's like misbehaving. I was like, that's not something I expected to happen, mm-hmm. which was, that was kind of weird. Yeah. That's sketchy. I've never heard of that happening, but Dude, ho- I mean, horses are super deadly. Oh you yeah. They're get behind one. When one kicks, like you can easily die. Massive freaking animals. They're yeah. Humongous. So. I, I forget who it was. Somebody brought this up to me at one point. I can't remember if it was on the show or not, but I feel like horses and pack animals could be beneficial even to hikers because mm-hmm. they could help with trail maintenance potentially. That's true. Do you know if that's a thing that's like, happens right it is yeah yeah i I think so yeah because that's like a a benefit that yeah uh, yeah i forget who who it was that mentioned it to me but the first time i heard that i was like oh yeah i never even again maybe it's because i'm mostly east coast but like i was like i never even thought about that and so before that i was honestly i don't think i would have actually gone as far as to say horses shouldn't be allowed but like i was definitely kind of like fuck these horses and yeah whatever but um i don't know and it's like I don't know. How, what do you think? Should mountain bikes and horses? What do you What do you think? If Baker was the ruler of the universe, what would what would the rules be? I, I couldn't say that they have any less right. Like yeah. people who are not hiking have any less right to be out there than I do. So yeah. I mean, but what about motorized? What about um, a dirt bike? Yeah, I know it's totally arbitrary, right? Yeah. So, but I guess for some reason, motors bother me more. I yeah. think it's just the sound. But that's just me. me. And Maybe there probably people, is more impact too. I mean, I let's think be honest. so. I I think. I mean, horses do cause, and mountain bikes do cause yeah. a lot more damage than walking, like just to the the trail surface. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I don't know, kind of the way we have it set up now where there's certain places that are designated, like you are allowed to motorbike and then there's certain places you can't. Like, I I, li- I guess I like that. And then obviously it's going to be the debate of which trails are allowed to do yeah. what. But I don't know. I like the fact that there are trails that you really can just, you can only access non-motorized and then even trails you can't even take a mountain bike on, like just a human powered mountain bike. Um, I do, I like that, like in wilderness areas, I, I do like that as well, but yeah. that, I guess I, that's going to be skewed because I'm from the perspective of the mode of transit that ev- can access everything. There's, there's no, there's no dirt road that you can't hike on that you can only drive a car on. You know what I mean? So that's, it's kind of difficult if I were like a dirt biker who could in theory do a lot of single track that they're kind of disallowed to be on, I probably would feel different, but yeah, I guess just selfishly from my, the way I like, I like the fact that there are trails I can go to that I'm, I know I'm not going to see any other, I'm right. not going to hear like a, this, you know, super loud gasoline engine blasting past and blowing all the exhaust at me. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel, I feel the same way. Yeah. Even though, I don't love getting run off the trail by horses. That's dramatic. That's not what happens, but you know, <laughs> that kind of happened to me. It was, it was, scary. Oh well, yeah. I, I mean, it, it was, but it, it's rare. Most horses are super chill. Like, yeah. and you, you guys just got to be respect for them and not be for sure. Not be loud. But I don't know. I, I kind of like it. Pack animals are, I mean, we've been using pack animals for all of, you know, for most of human history. So it's another one of those things of like, I can't say that 
they shouldn't be there. And, yeah. and also, and I think about it, in the Grand Canyon, you're talking about like moving stuff around. Remember in the Grand Canyon, there's like a, a kind of a ranch down there, like a hostel you can stay in. And they, they use pack animals to get all that stuff in and out. I mean, what would I rather have like a giant helicopter coming in and like mm-hmm. drop it, you know, or like, I don't know. So I think I'd probably rather see a, a line of burrows than like a helicopter flying overhead and dropping. That can be kind of cool though. Have you ever seen it? I mean, it would be cool to see once in a while, but if it was like literally like Constant, every, yeah. like every day, I was just like a helicopter coming in, dropping stuff. Yeah. So. I believe they do that a little bit in New Hampshire in the huts. I was huts. thinking about the whites because I know they yeah. like drop in like the fuel for the season Probably. at the huts, but then, then it's just the, uh, the, 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 um, the, the crew, the crew, the, the folks that work at the huts, they just, do haul in a lot of right, shit. They it's haul not all lot. helicopter. Yeah. But um, I, I think they do helicopter for some shit, but I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. yeah. So, have I ever told the story about how I almost worked crew? No. I can't remember if I've ever told this um, on the podcast, but all right, since we're, we'll go on a little side tangent yeah. real quick. My, between my um, junior and senior year of college, I was like looking for a job and I applied to be a member of the crew in yeah. the huts in the White Mountains. Yeah. And my understanding is that it's actually not like an easy job to get. Like it's, it's actually pretty competitive. Oh, I bet it is. Because yeah. I think there's seven huts and, you know, each one has a handful of employees and it's like a very highly sought after job it doesn't pay very much or anything like that yeah, but, but it's, it's just, just like a cool the thing. work environment is so yeah. unique yeah and i was like fuck it i'll try dude and so i applied and they actually like got back to me and they were like hey can you come interview so i was like oh shit like I, I made it further than i thought i would yeah um and i drove all the way i was just excited about it and so i, I drove all the way from potsdam new york to pinkham notch to do an interview in the middle of the winter um when i was in college which was a good like five or six hour drive but anyways I didn't get the job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, I was a little bit bummed, but I was, I was like, whatever. Like, I know yeah. it's competitive. I think, I think if I had had some wilderness, I think if I had taken like a wilderness first aid course in the past or had some, any yeah. knowledge at all about uh, wilderness first aid, which I had zero, I think that I probably would have, I think I might've gotten it. Yeah. Um, but I did But anyways, I didn't get it. And then, you know, flash forward a few years later on the AT and um, a bunch of us stayed at Lake of the Clouds and did a work for stay there. Yeah. And so I'd been to a lot of the huts before, but I had never stayed overnight and witnessed like the dinner and like all the shit that they do for the guests. Yeah. And like, I was just sitting there in the background watching this and I was like, dude, I'm so glad I didn't get that job. It's a ton of work. I did not realize. And, and maybe this is another reason why I didn't get it. Maybe they <clears throat> could just see that like, I didn't have the personality for this or something, but like you're putting on a per- performance oh yeah basically is oh, yeah. maybe it's different hut to hut and, and again this was a number of years ago now but at least at like the clouds like they were putting on a full performance with an audience of all the guests mm-hmm. and they're feeding everybody and doing all these things and i would i would not have liked that i would not have i, I would <laughs> have been body. down to like live in the mountains and like yeah. hike and even like the cooking and stuff like i would have been you know good with that but the hospitality aspect would be yeah the, the entertainment aspect yeah, yeah. like I just remember sitting there, like kind of off to the side, like watching this and and just thinking like, that yeah, there's is that close yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I almost had to do that. I remember thinking that too, <laughs> being like, wow, that sounds like such a glamorous or kind of a neighbor with the idea of that, but then also seeing them carry the stuff up, yeah, on this huge thing, yeah, I was like, that looks brutal. I mean, I guess I would probably get over yeah, that. Yeah, I, I I was okay with that. I yeah. think, which but is the, a lot easier to say than yeah, to actually than do it. it but, but the performance, that, yeah, like the hospitality performance aspect, that is like, I mean, it, it's something I wouldn't expect in a job application for that. I wouldn't, you know, think like, oh, this is what. That I need I need to be able to do that. I need yeah. to, be able to put on a show every night. But that is part of the the vibe there, which it's kind of yeah. cool. It's a really cool vibe. They're nice though. It is a cool vibe. I was there, I was at um 
ah, shit, Lonesome Lake Hut over the summer. I was just doing like a trail run. Yeah. And I like popped in and I was like super sweaty, but I wanted to to read their um, log books to see if I could find oh, my name yeah. from years past because I've, I've been there a couple a couple times. I was really looking at 2018, honestly. Yeah. And I, and I was like scrolling through. I must have not signed it or something because yeah. I didn't see my name and I didn't see anybody's name you that recognize. I recognized. Okay. Yeah. But I was like, I was dripping sweat. <laughs> and so like my sweat is just like dripping on the ground and like I'm trying not to get it on the log books. Yeah. yeah. But I, I felt really bad after because they were like in the middle of like talking to some guests and stuff too, like the workers. And so after I was like, yo, I'm sorry. Like, can I clean it up? And they yeah. were like, they were super nice about it. They're like, oh, like it's fine. And I, they're probably used to it. You're like yeah. in the mountains. Like, of course, people are sweaty and stinky and stuff. Yeah. But anyways. That's funny. Okay. So next controversial thing. I feel like we probably can cruise over this one because it's been covered extensively on the show, even just between us. But it's just so controversial that we got to include it. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this one? I mean, I can think of two. Yellow blazing. Yeah, exactly. So yellow blazing, obviously super controversial. Everyone's got an opinion on it. Um, I have some strong opinions. My my opinion has has softened over the years. Yeah, uh, back when we first met uh, on trail, I was <laughs> quite a quite a against it. <laughs> um, I mean, I still don't want to do it myself, but like, I don't know. I don't care as much anymore. Basically, yeah. Um, I I think it's kind of lame, but it's not like the end of the world or anything. But that's just me. I don't know. We've we've talked about this so much. We have, but I mean, I know that. Yeah, you were definitely like. I, I love how like, after I started talking about this, you. You crossed the arms, yeah, closed of, off body cause language. Because I'm defensive, because yeah. I did yellow blaze like 75 miles on Well, the... but here's the thing. And again, I'm pretty sure we had this exact conversation Probably. before. Yeah. I think there's a difference between what you did and like the yellow blazing that actually bugs me. Because like you, yeah. it kind of makes sense. Like Jessica, actually, you should just tell the story. Yeah, but basically like entering the Smokies, I had a really bad, um, really bad tendonitis in my ankle. And so I ended up... Um, going through oh jessica's saying my toe whatever i don't know it was something that i had a lot of foot and ankle problems in that section of the trail and basically um my i was like i couldn't hike and so we got to the southern part of like you know the southern end of the smoky mountain national park and then i got off trail we we're going to a family wedding anyway nearby so i just got off a little early, a little early rested up there jessica continued hiking and then um picked her up we went to the wedding and then after you know several days i was feeling better we got back on trail and i decided to not go back to where I had got off. I decided to just go back to the end where she had got off and continue with her. And so basically I was at that point just giving up on the idea of yeah. the continuous straight through. But I just, it, for me, it just practically, it just was like, I was going to spend probably several weeks trying to catch up to her. She, yeah, was, doing, exactly. she was healthier than me still. I was still going to, I didn't want to try to push myself after I was still kind of recovering from this. It's just like, it would have just kind of ruined a lot of the hike. It would have been a whole several weeks of just us being apart. Yeah. Just just like a couple days behind each of part of each other, but just not near each other. And it just wouldn't have I don't know. So I was like, I don't I was like I, I was in the end I was like, I really going into the hike, I was totally wanted to be more pierced with it, wanted mm-hmm. to do the continuous through. But it just was like it just, it just didn't make sense to me. And I had to just kind of accept that and yeah. that's what I chose to do. So that that's like a circumstance where like you know, I don't even really consider that yellow blazing, I guess. Yeah. What what I think of, and actually another example that I've used sometimes of what is not really yellow blazing is I remember talking to a hiker at some point where, you know how like on the AT there's, I'm pretty sure we had this exact conversation on a previous episode a while ago, but yeah. um, you know how there's sometimes like one town that can be accessed from multiple road right. crossings. Like yeah. I remember I talked to someone who took a shuttle back to the trail 
and they didn't realize that they were going to the road crossing that was actually like, you know, 10, 15 miles ahead of where they got off the trail. Yeah. And so rather than being like, oh, actually, can you drive me all the way back to this other spot because I made a mistake? Rather than doing that, they were just like, okay, I'm just going to get back on trail here. Like yeah. something like that, like I get it. Yeah. Um, when, when I think of yellowblazing, I think of people who are just like consistently skipping and they don't really have a reason, you know? They're just like, oh, like I just, they just don't like, hiking that much they kind yeah. of just I, like the culture and they like the town fun they just want to hang out like they just want to be on like the walking woods party that is the at but they don't want to like really they don't want to put, put in the work put in all that work to yeah. like be going through the whole thing so yeah. they're just like oh there's a group of my friends are up there i didn't feel like hiking the past few days they're ahead of me now so i'm just gonna yeah skip or like oh it's the conditions are going to be slightly like it's going to be a little bit hotter today I'm yeah. just gonna skip ahead. Yeah, I could just skip ahead yeah, to the next exactly. town. Meet them. They're gonna be on the next town. I'm just gonna meet them. And, there. and here's yeah. the thing: people are gonna, you know, argue like, "Oh, well, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really impact you." Which I will definitely concede that it doesn't really impact you. Like, it's not a, it's not a big impact. But I think that it does impact other hikers in a small to to a small degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and the example I think of here is you get to a hostel, you've been putting in work you've been busting your ass on the trail and the hostel is full and there's people in there that just skipped up and have been skipping up and so that is in a way impacting you um, because now you can't stay at this hostel Hmm. you know and again are you entitled to stay at that hostel just because you hiked a certain amount probably not and so you know i'm not gonna say it's like a huge huge impact like a huge deal but I do think there are like small little impacts like that. Or you get to a campsite that's like just crowded out with yeah. a bunch of people that have just been skipping and just hanging out at campsites all day and they're yeah. taking up the best tent sites. And again, public land, they pay taxes on it just like you. So I wouldn't say that anybody is entitled to that to that campsite over anybody else, but you can understand how it could be a little bit annoying. Yeah. I guess is probably the best way to phrase it. It's just a little bit annoying yeah. sometimes. No, that's that's interesting. I never thought there is an actual impact to the people. Yeah, and it's very small. But it is small, but it, I there's something. Mean. And I do think the other thing is it depends on how you represent what you're doing out there and how you describe. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing a through hike. Well, if you're intentionally skipping like 50 plus miles at a time because you just feel like it, it's hard. I'm for me. It's like I don't know. if You should be calling yourself a thru hiker. Like, yeah. Oh, that's the whole other discussion. Is like, yeah. So who like gets how, to wear that badge? How, yeah. re- how do you represent like what you're doing out there? So if you say like, oh, I'm just kind of like skipping along section hiking. I'm probably not going to be as mad if I talk to you for an hour and find that you've skipped like several big chunks just because mm-hmm. you didn't feel like hiking them and you didn't have like a particularly compelling reason because they weren't closed or you weren't whatever reason. Then I'm gonna be like, okay, I don't know. Like it, it, it feels like you're kind of fault. You're kind of falsely like portraying what you're doing yep. out there. And again, it's like, what is a through hiker? We were you were talking about this on backpacker radio. It's hard to define yeah. what through hiking is, but I would say that's not through hiking. Yeah, it's tough. It's a controversial one. It always is. I don't know. Anyways, um, okay. So this next one, this is another like philosophical one, kind of. Ooh. So this controversy would be just like technology advancements when it comes to gear and I or I totally butchered that just advancements in gear and technology when it comes to trail I guess is a better way to say it so that could be anything from GPS technology phone technology all the way down to just better gear better fabrics Um, DCF I mean, yeah, DCF, DCF is like amazing technology. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I think the way that we kind of phrased this when we were planning was, would you still go backpack and through hike if the gear wasn't so good now? You know? Yep. yep. 
which yeah. is which is an interesting question because yeah obviously like we try to save as much weight as we can like that's a that's a big deal for for us too and a lot of people uh and if there if you had no choice but to carry like a super heavy 50 plus pound pack with like this kind of you know shitty gear for the lack of a better word um compared to now anyways yeah um would you still do it yeah no i i mean i think there's a lot of things just keep talking i'm gonna reset the, the camera the through hike i think would be pretty um i don't know the th- doing a through hike would be pretty tough i don't know that i would sign up for it right and i don't know if i'd sign up for a hike that long yeah i don't know that so when i think of like the off trail stuff i've done I really don't think I would attempt a lot of those things or I certainly wouldn't attempt like the mileage I'm doing or the distance that I'm going to try to cover because doing off trail stuff with a super heavy pack is really challenging. Also when you're off trail, you are more exposed to like the fact that you're in a remote place. You cannot, you know, get yourself out as easily. So the idea of having like, you know, I don't know, super reliable clothing that's going to keep you warm and dry in adverse conditions. Like people like, you know, having, we didn't, they didn't have Gore-Tex like however many years ago. They just had like, the insulation was not nearly as good. Um, Tent fabrics and like shelter fabrics were not nearly as good. And then also just when you're off trail, the whole navigation aspect of not having to only use paper maps. I mean, when I do, honestly, when I'm, when I've done off trail stuff, I've tried to like actually use my GPS as little as possible because part of the fun and the appeal of it is trying to navigate, like just actually navigating it myself is with as little like just helpful intervention as possible from technology. But you know, the, what I do, what I, I actually attempt, what I intentionally leave my phone at home and say, I'm just going to take this set of paper maps and do it. I don't know that I would. It feels like at this point we have the technology and it feels like taking a risk that may or may not be working. Yeah. So, and, and also what I do it without some sort of satellite device to be able to call for help from, I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I think that a part of why that type of recreation has become so popular in recent years is because you can do it so much more safely. I mean, that's yeah. And, and, and comfortably, frankly, you're not having to carry the 50 pound pack just to carry everything you really need. Like you're, we can carry the same functional functionally, you can carry the same thing in like a fifth of the weight with like a 10 pound base weight. And that 50 pound pack doesn't give you any more advantages. In fact, we probably, the gear probably works even better, even though it weighs less now. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think probably, the a lot I think a lot less people and probably myself included would be doing either none of what we do now or a lot less of it or like I agree less dangerous versions less ambitious versions of like how far you're going where you're going I mean I certainly a simple day hike around here yeah I probably if I had a a nice well-marked trail system that has the maps you know when you turn every corner yeah I would probably do one of those without a GPS yeah but I don't know that I would do, I don't know if I'd do the AT. I don't know that I would do like, certainly the off trail stuff is where I'm like starting to think, I don't know. That's probably where I'm drawing the line. Of, yeah. Like, that's too dangerous. Definitely. Yeah. It's interesting. I was, um, I was uh, on my way here actually on the plane. I was reading a book and, um, I don't remember that. Jessica, can you please look in my backpack on the couch there? There's a book. I can't remember the name. I want to make sure I get the name in there. Yeah. Um, it's basically just a compilation of different, um, Adventures Gone Wrong in the Northeast. Desperate uh, Steps by Peter W. Kick. Yes. Oh, cool. Um, and one of the stories in there was actually about the first time a uh, personal uh, GPS beacon, personal like, beacon yes, PLB, yes, yeah. uh, was ever used. And it was actually oh, cool. in the Adirondacks, oh. uh, which I, I'd never heard the story before. Yeah. And um, it was actually, I guess, kind of controversial at the time. Like they weren't even sure if they were going to allow these devices. I guess they were being tested in Alaska for a while. Okay. And then it was the early 2000s that they actually um, allowed them to be used uh, in the 
the rest of the country, I yeah. guess. But it was actually kind of controversial, I guess, when this guy used it. It's actually an interesting story because he ended up using it twice. Oh, in for the, the same, same incident? For two different incidents in the same spot. Oh. It's, a, it's, a long, it's a long story. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. I, I feel like at the time, there was discussions about whether or not we should even be able to do this. I think people were worried about it potentially straining the resources of like search and rescue, which I think now it's it, obviously it's going to vary jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but I think it's fairly safe to say that they have the capacity. Generally speaking, of course there's probably going to be certain agencies that are more overwhelmed than others, but um, you know, I, I don't think it's had the impact that people were worried it would at the time, but it's also just like the ethics of it. If you hike yourself in and you get yourself into trouble due to, mistakes that you've made mm-hmm. you know should you be allowed to, to just have that safety net or yeah. should you have an example be made of yourself personally i don't think that's a that's a good thing but <laughs> yeah but this, a, these are things that people were talking about at the yeah. time and there's an argument to be made that you shouldn't need to rely on that right or you should accept oh, the risk that if something bad happens you maybe not you may not survive right or yeah. something terrible might happen you might get seriously yeah. injured so you know there's other ways to mitigate that should you be going in a group should you be bringing extra gear or should you be just put, you know, being more conservative with what you do. So like you have to basically, you know, maybe spend a lot more time outside, get a lot more experience, really know an area. And then you start to push those limits where I feel like, I mean, I go to areas I've never been to, but I've got this amazing, it's like software and technology that like lets me figure yeah. out better than people who like probably have like went there a bunch of times. I, I know way more than, than they ever could have just because I have this, all this technology yeah. in my pocket. So I think it, it certainly, the, I think the slippery slope is it enables people to take more risks. Yes, exactly. They, that was another they, big part than of the they would with yes. that. And that is a completely valid concern. And they're yeah, basically absolutely. just going to rely on or just assume that it someone will come It makes you feel in and, more and bold risk. knowing you have this like safety net. You can press this button and yeah. someone will come get you. And so, yeah, you might take more risks than yeah. you would have otherwise. Yeah. And I think about that every time I go out and I have my GPS, I'm thinking what, or the satellite messenger really specifically, I'm thinking what risk, risk am I willing to take? And I, I mean, it's, it's, it's inevitable that I'm going to consider the fact that I have one of these as part of my safety system and all the backups of like things I'm staying safe. But at what point am I just really enabling riskier behavior than yep. I should? It's like, it's almost like you want to carry it, but pretend you don't have it. Yeah. But it's like when you're out there and you're trying to say you're trying to make a decision you weren't really anticipating as you planned it, like you can't ignore the fact that you do have it, right? Like you may, you, it's like you can't just, I mean, you can, but like you sometimes it really in the back of mind, you do know you have it. You can't actually pretend yeah. you don't. I don't know. For me, like to be fair, most of my hiking was done before I got one of those devices. But since I, I do have one now, I don't know. I would be so embarrassed if I had to, if I had to press it. And, and to be clear, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that people that have had to press it should be embarrassed. I'm just saying like, I think I would be. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would be embarrassed because I know that the situation, I would be so desperate to save my life that I would be like, I would have no yeah, shame Yeah, but, but like what if, I mean, of course there's always a chance that something completely out of your control happens, but like I, I do feel like in a lot of these cases, this is generalizing, but in a lot of these cases, some sort of poor decision-making is what led to them needing to press the button, especially as I've covered a lot of the stories on my main channel now. Not that's not always the case to be crystal clear, but oh, yeah, definitely there there are definitely a lot of the circumstances, and and sometimes it's even you know mistakes that anybody could have made. Sometimes it's stuff that they probably should have known better. So it really widely varies. But I don't know. I just feel like I've always told myself like if I can get out under my own two feet without dying, like I'm doing that first before I press that button. Like oh, that is yeah. the literal last resort. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go pretty far to get myself out. But if it gets to the point where 
I'm endangering other people around me who are trying to help me. Or if it's like really like this is going to get dicey, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to use it. Like I'm yeah. going to, and the other thing is that most search and rescue people, like you always see, they always say like, you should go like, please yes, use it. If you think is, you, if I'm you think you you're going to yeah. need to please use it. I mean, the reason that they like volunteer to do it is they want to save people. The worst, I think the last thing they would want is to have a missing person case and they go out and find them and they had a device they didn't they use. They didn't use. Yeah. That's you know? a good point. I'm so, actually glad you brought that up. So I, yeah. Cause I think that's from what I've seen, most search and rescue groups do tend to say, if you do need to use it, please do. Don't be worried about the embarrassment yeah. of it. But before you go out, Think about, don't just assume that, yeah, this is my get out of jail free card kind of thing yeah. like for, for dangerous situations. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because it's like, obviously, like I just said there, I don't want to use it unless I absolutely have to. But at the same time, it's like if you wait too long to use it yeah. and then eventually you do use it, but maybe if you had used it earlier... Yeah, like then say, it would have been easier for search and rescue. And yeah, you would like have been earlier in the day, earlier before a storm's yeah. coming in. Now you're endangering people because you're yeah, making them work at that's night. That's a good point. I didn't so really think about there, that so like, much. Sometimes it's like, and also just give them more time to like, you know, figure yeah. out the resources and all that. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's something I need to think about a little more. I, I feel like it was. Um, uh, I could be wrong. I think I remember watching uh, homemade wanderlusts video about how she. Yeah ended up hitting the SOS button. And what I recall was she was having some sort of issue with her heart or something like that. Did you watch that? Uh, Jessica, I think kind of like explained it to me and yeah, yeah but I mean, it sounded like it's, it's pretty like scary, in yeah. the moment she wasn't like in like immediate danger, right? Like she wasn't having a heart attack, but she feared that she wouldn't be able to hike out without putting herself at yeah. extreme risk. And I, I, I seem to recall, I could be wrong. Someone leave a comment if I'm wrong about this, but because I could be thinking of a different story, but I seem to recall that, she um or that that the rescuers had later told her that she did like the right thing because she had actually talked a little bit about how she was kind of embarrassed to hit it and the rescuers telling her that she did the right thing because it could have potentially been worse if she had waited and then had to press it later not only worse for herself but worse for everybody else involved yeah with the rescue too so well they might show up to like a situation where she's critically ill and like she needs to get to the hospital within like 30 minutes or she'll die or it's like okay you're not doing well we'll get you out but we have time this is not like an urgent thing yeah and you wouldn't want to put the rescuers in that situation of like what do we do do cpr try to get a helicopter versus like okay she's probably good let's like try to transport her to some place yeah it's just you're putting less stress on them yeah exactly you mentioned the like a lot of times it comes down to people making poor decisions and like that's what you know why they're end up you know, you'd be embarrassed if you made a poor decision and then you had to call yeah but like what justifies the poor decision like was your decision to go out there in the first place a poor decision like potentially say, if the weather's bad but but I mean like what it's like some of the like the off trail stuff I've done like the it's like you know maybe big loose rocks like and I'm choosing to do an off trail hike I could have done a hike that's nearby on a trail but I'm like going down some goalies loose rocks what if one of those like fell i broke my ankle i'm stuck out there and i have to call for help was that a poor decision like, was the fact that i was out in that yeah. place in the first place a poor decision well that's where it's like there's there's it's not crystal clear right there, yeah. there's definitely uh yeah it's a gray area for sure yeah i think in new hampshire i could be again i could be wrong about this but i think from from reading that book in new hampshire they assess it on a case-by-case basis in terms of whether or not they're going to bill you for the rescue. So, and, and I think I, I think that's the case like I think if I it's purely just bad luck, totally out of your control, then they're not going to bill you, but if you if they determine that you made poor decisions, um unreasonable decisions that led to it, then they're going to bill you. I think it's some sort of system like that. And I do feel like more often than not, it's 
poor decision making that leads to these things. Yeah. But but not always. Definitely not always. In your example, it's like that's a tough one. If like a rock just comes loose, because it's like well, you, I was walking on that terrain, and maybe I was going walking a little faster than I should have, and I wasn't didn't check that rock yeah. as close. You know, I mean, it's like that's could be a port. In theory, I could avoid that. Yeah, yeah. I could have gone a little bit to the left and avoid that big loose rock, right. but I was tired and I didn't think about it. But is it? Yeah, was it a bad decision? I mean, it's like hard to be out there in the first. That's place? basically the decision. Is should you have even gone in the first place? I feel like that one's a little bit harder than like a lot of the cases, especially in New Hampshire. And again, I'm just thinking about this book because that book is, you know, about the Northeast, not just New Hampshire, but um, a lot of the cases from New Hampshire are people that went up into the mountains despite an obviously bad forecast or people that went up with obviously without the proper equipment yeah. to keep themselves safe in the conditions. Yeah. And those cases are pretty easy, I, would I think, that. I would to that. be like, okay, your your decision making led to this. But yeah, then there's some, I guess, like an animal attack, for instance, would probably be very out of your control for the most part. Well, of well, course, what were you doing? Were you like getting close to a grizzly bear to get oh, a better oh, photo? Yeah, see, that's true. That's but true. I know what you mean. Or like, did you not store your food properly? Yeah. Like there's definitely yeah. exceptions, but, but yeah, like, there are but like rock fall. So you're literally just walking under yeah. like a, I don't know, there's a, a cliff face and the trail goes by a rock could fall on you. And like, that's basically totally changed. Yeah. So like, that's what almost happened to us on the PCT. Um, and one thing I want to say is you mentioned the cost in New Hampshire. Yeah. Just to be clear, I think, I think New Hampshire and maybe New England in general is kind of an exception there. Like you actually maybe need to pay for um, search and rescue services. I'm pretty sure like I definitely don't Colorado. I think basically everywhere else in the U S really? you do not need to pay for it. The reason is because people will think this is going to cost me so much money. And they won't want they won't, they won't yeah. call for help. So again, double check that like wherever you live and yeah. wherever you recreate, um, double check what the local kind of um, search and rescue group does there. But I know in Colorado, like they have, they say very clearly you, you will not need to pay for it. Um, and that's because they don't want to discourage people from calling for help if they need. Yeah. So because they don't want to think like, oh, it's gonna. Go. Now, obviously, the medical services, like if they bring an ambulance, they bring you, search and rescue brings you to an ambulance, yeah. or if you get in a flight for life helicopter, that you may incur costs there. But the actual search and rescue people coming up and extracting you and getting you to safety, that is, you generally do not. I'm, have to I'm glad you that. specified that. Yeah. So, um, and then in New Hampshire too, they have these things called the hike safe card that you can buy. Yeah, I don't Colorado know how much it, that too. The, oh, they do. Cor, Corsar, it's uh, Colorado Search and Rescue. So you, it's not ob- obligatory. You still get free services, but yeah, you can. It's kind of like they're trying to encourage people to oh, like, okay. help fund that system. My understanding with the hike safe card in New Hampshire, and I'm not sure. Let me just Google it real quick. I'm not sure how much it costs or what exactly it is, um, but my understanding is that it basically. It's kind of like insurance, I think. If you yeah. do need a rescue, then you won't get charged, is my understanding. Right. Let's see. Yeah. Buy your voluntary hike safe card today. Search and rescue supports New Hampshire Fishing Game. 25 per person, 35 per family. The card is valuable for anyone hiking, paddling, blah, blah, blah. People who obtain the cards are not liable to repay rescue costs if they need to be rescued. An individual may still be liable for rescue expenses expenses if the actions that created the need for the emergency response mm-hmm. meet criteria set forth by a link to yep. legislation that I don't yeah, want to click. Essentially, if you were like extremely negligible. Yeah. Yep. Which so again, I don't think that's even in Colorado. You can be as negligent as you want, and you won't have to pay for search. Sick, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be negligent. Don't okay. Do that. Um, I believe we have one more. All right. Controversy. This is, what is the point of hiking? Hmm. And so, is it about going out? Because people, basically where we were coming from when we came up with this one, for everybody listening is, you know, 
everyone has different reasons and you see comments a lot online. People will be like, Oh, like why is this person hiking so fast? Like they're missing the point, which is to like take in the scenery. And then for some people, the point is to like go out there and push yourself physically. And you know, they don't, they're not as concerned with the views and stuff. They're more concerned with the physical challenge, you know, and that can be taken all the way to the extreme with these people that are going for FKTs and stuff. So like, what is the point of hiking? And I think this is kind of controversial because I think, there's multiple different camps, like I just outlined there, that people fall into. Yeah. And so, I, I think don't know. This also ties into kind of what we were just talking about with the search and rescue of... So, I guess if you say, like, maybe the point of hiking is... like you could, Some people would say it's for exercise, right? Which certainly, I think that's a very valid benefit. But you are, like, going out and creating a much riskier form of exercise and you need to... You could walk those <laughs> miles true. on a treadmill. You could walk around your neighborhood, which probably... Maybe you would get hit by a car, so maybe it's actually less safe. But <laughs> basically, like... You know, if you're, there's safer ways to do it. There's certainly. safer ways to get that. If you're literally, if the goal is just to to induce physical activity in your body because it has health benefits, there's safer ways to do it. So, like, why are you going out and you're literally risking? You're creating so much more risk for yourself when you could induce that in a different way. Yeah. Now, that's not that's not me saying that I think hiking is points. Of but course, these of are course. the weird thoughts that I have in my no, head. No, I mean that's just kind of the theme of the episode. Yeah, it's just like playing devil's advocate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, and so that's one thing I think about. I also think of like like the cost of getting to a trailhead, like you're going to spend time driving your car or you're going to travel to a different place and all that. But you know, you could have probably done, you could walk those same miles somewhere near your house, probably. Right. Yeah. And, but obviously, so it's, it can't just be about like the physical aspect of it. Like there's obviously there's some element of the scenery and where you are. Right. Cause otherwise yeah. you would, you could do that anywhere. And I think that, that is like, you know, it, it really, it, that's just like what you, because some people don't want to do that. Don't, some people want, prefer to walk around their neighborhood than on a trail because they don't like the adverse conditions that yeah. Mother Nature throws at them, which I completely understand. There's <laughs> certain places I definitely don't want to yeah. walk. Like, I'm, like I'm probably hiking across Death Valley in the summer. I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> nope. So, I mean, I... Hiking a 14 in the 14 in the winter for me, probably not yeah, either. Yeah, that would be... Hell, there's probably some of those, I don't know a lot about them, but there's probably ones I wouldn't even want to do in the summer, the ones that you got to yeah. do like the climbing and stuff. Yeah, there's some that are like, I mean, truly objectively dangerous. And that's another thing, even if you're going to say, I'm going to do a four, I'm going to go on a hike. So say you say, now you say decide I'm going to go out and, and climb a summit a peak. You pick like a, a dangerous Colorado 14, or you could pick a much safer one. There's yeah. the, it run, the gamut of, of objective risk, even if you have perfect weather both days, the objective risk, like that has the environmental hazards there, like are there's a huge spectrum of, of danger there. Yeah. And so it's like you could easily be like, you wanted to just get on top of a 14, or why did you pick Little Bear, which has this like big goalie that rocks are known to come flying down? You could go to like, you know, a, a quandary that's just like a, you can walk up the top. You're gonna get to basically the same height. You're going to have similar views. You're going to get a kind of a similar workout, but the experience is obviously there's a qualitative aspect. There's a qualitative aspect to the experience that you can't just quantitatively assess essentially. Cause there's quantitatively. Yeah. Well, cause quantitatively is like, Oh, how much elevation gains? It's I the do? first how time much? that word's ever been used on this show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of the, the part of it is like, basically there's, there is a qualitative aspect yeah. to it where cause little bear is this incredible thing where you're trying to go up this, like, I mean, I haven't done it, but it just, I agree. Little bear is incredible. Little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the peak. I'm talking about the peak here. But yeah, it's like it's a it's the technical challenge of it. It's it's the fact that it is riskier, right? That's kind of another interesting aspect of it. Is like things that like you did that knife edge hike over um, Katahdin, right? There's other ways to go up Katahdin. Yeah, don't involve that. I mean, that's yeah. and and it's like, but why did you do that? Well, like, I'm sure part of it is the fact that there was an element of danger, right? Yeah. I mean, same with like uh, even like skiing or mountain biking. How fast you go downhill? Why do people bother going so fast that when they fall, they badly damage themselves or die? It's because going fast downhill is fun, right? There's like yep. there's like it's the fact that it is dangerous. And you're kind of on the edge of control. 
And I think sort of people who are like, like especially hiking like 14 years and stuff, there's like the managing the risks is like an actual, people enjoy that. They enjoy like the evaluating risk, deciding what's safe to do, what's not safe to do. Kind of, that's a big part of it, I think too. Yeah. I don't know that this is maybe kind of uh, branching off from your different no, hiking right, styles, but in terms right. of like, it is like, what's the point of it? Like you, especially when people, I think the, when for me, when I start to like really think about it is when people get injured, even just an overuse injury, right? Like why did yeah. I choose to do a 20 mile day? I could on 15, you know, I don't, that's when I start to like, I think when people take risks and they get injured or they die, people question why were they doing that? You know, like, did mm-hmm. they really need to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think this is, gets like kind of really yeah. fast, really interesting to think about. A big risk that people take all the time is hiking by themselves. Like it's, yeah. it's I'm not going to say that solo hiking is dangerous inherently, but I mean, it definitely is safer to go with somebody else. Yeah. And Pretty in, much in the comments all the time on my mystery videos now, I get people saying like, why was this person hiking by themselves? Why are they, you know, it's, it's yeah. no one should ever hike by themselves. And like, I don't know, it's just part of the risk. Yeah. A lot of these people don't understand that, right? This stuff too, that most of the time you can't get someone to go with. There are a lot of time anyways. Yeah. And so for yeah. a lot of people, if they don't hike by themselves, they're just not going to hike. Yeah. Not going to do it. And so I don't know. It's, there's a lot there, but yeah, dude, I love this. This is a great episode. This was, this is unique for Trail Tales. And I'm, I'm here for it. Good. We Baker, found it. Baker's got some deep thoughts, man. I'm oh, telling dude, you. Just a bunch of nonsense rattling. Look at his shirt. There. I mean, he's got the Live Simply shirt. I know. This is like, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm just, just projecting how, how much I like to think <laughs> about nonsense stuff all It was day. a little a little uh, subliminal message to me that this was going to be a different different episode. But no, it's, this was great. I think there's a lot of good insight here. And, and again, at, at the end of the day, this is all just, you know, speculation and we're just rambling and, you know there's probably not like too much concrete stuff that people can take away from this kind of thing. But if anything, I think it just makes you wonder. Yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of people listening have thought about these very same topics and have probably wrestled with a lot of the same stuff that we wrestled with in this episode. And so, yeah, everybody, everybody watching and listening, like I want to hear your feedback on this one. Yeah. Let me know what you think about all summer, none of these topics. And um, Baker, thank you for coming on again. You're that welcome. was really sick. You're welcome. Thank Ho- you. Hopefully this doesn't look like shit. This is my first in person. So yeah. can't, every, this is all totally new. In fact, yeah, I want to show everyone the, uh, the, the setup here because this is just hilarious. I'm going to take a, a quick little um, a quick little video. Come on. Oh, yeah. We can see what the... This is basically just our kind of dining Ooh. room area that we've, uh, we've fabbed up to do it. So I guess we'll just... I mean, this is not a proper studio. So if it looks bad <laughs> and if it sounds bad, then you don't blame Kyle. Blame... Blame, Look at this. Uh, blame us. Yeah, here we are. We got one actual camera on a tripod there. We got Jessica's phone or Jessica's phone on an ice axe. Yeah, it's an ice axe. Yeah, strapped to a chair. Yeah. So, so we got this camera just propped up by some board games. Board games. <laughs> it's quite janky, but so yeah, it's all it, good. If it looks bad, don't don't blame Kyle. You can you can hate on Jessica and I. This no, no. I'm grateful that you guys went to all this. Hate trouble. on Kyle. He chose to do this. He didn't have to do it here. No, this was fun. This so, is a lot of fun. So thank you, Baker. Thank you, Jessica, too. And uh, thanks so much, everybody, for watching and listening. If you made it this far, you got to hit that subscribe button if you haven't. Slam it. And, and, and if you're listening, five-star reviews, dude. I was on Backpacker Radio yesterday. They're they're knocking it out of the park. We got to... I told them, I was like, I'm going for that distant number two spot, but like... No, that's not true. I, I was... I was take them down. I was flattering them. We want to. We want to take. Yeah, we want to take them. Destroy them. And I'd love to come back on Zach and Chance if you're watching this. But yeah. we're gonna take you down. No, take we're not. Um, but we do want to pump those numbers up. So a five star review. Leave it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, whatever your app is. We're trying to pump those numbers up. I want a thousand 
five-star reviews on both Apple and Spotify. We're halfway there on Apple. We got some, we're, we're getting there on Spotify too. But anyways, thank you so much for watching and listening, everybody. And I will see you next week. We did it.